wait to get back to an air show. When is that going to happen? What about crowds? How are they going to manage that at an air show? Is the government assistance really working for general aviation? Hi and welcome back again. I'm Angela Stevenson and I hope you're enjoying Grounded, a podcast series for Right Speak Fly about the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic on general aviation in Australia. I'm feeling a little bit more upbeat today because I get to have chat about one of my favourite things, air shows, with the inimitable and unstoppable Paul Bennett, who perhaps doesn't need much of an introduction, other than his air show company operates out of the Hunter Valley in New South Wales. He organises air shows all over Australia and he takes them overseas. A little bit later in the show, we will also be talking about his upcoming one-of-a-kind live stream air show event. You may have heard that Paul smashed up his leg, so it's been postponed until 13 June. Have you got your ticket yet? I have. But we're not only talking air shows, so if you're not into them, don't tune out. We're also going to do a few loops around flight schools, social distancing, industry opportunities, and something very close to Paul's heart. Casa, how perhaps it can help the air show industry to get, uh, you know I'm going to say it, back in the air. As always, you can have your say, contribute to the discussion or leave questions in the comments section at rightspeakfly.com forward slash grounded. Head on over when you're ready. Next week, my guest is Adrian Fleming of TriStar Aviation, an accredited pilot training operation, flight school, charter and joy flight business operating since 1993. Adrienne has some excellent insights and some really positive vibes to share. But right now, Paul's on the phone waiting and as always, he's ready to go. Hi Paul and thanks so much for being with me today. How are you doing? Good morning Angela, how are you? Yeah, good thanks. Paul, I've got to ask you something. I'm flat out like a lizard drinking, keeping up with the work that I do, getting out a podcast or two a week, my study, writing the odd article for a magazine and the communications work that I do. How does someone who runs an air show company, Aero Hunter flight training facility, a joy flight operation, a freight company, a fiberglass manufacturing facility, a Wirraway museum, and I'm sure that there's more that I don't even know about. Oh, and you have a family that you're currently helping to homeschool with the gorgeous Rachel. I feel exhausted just thinking about what you get done. How do you do it, especially right now when everything's so topsy-turvy? Well, I guess right now it becomes a bit easier because some of those businesses aren't operating, really. But uh, the fiberglass is still going well and the trucks are still going well, so that's sort of good. I guess this is a time that it's good, you know, when you have a finger in a few different pies, but uh, on the aviation side, that's a disaster at the moment. And how badly did this take you by surprise, or did it? Well, I suppose I, I sort of saw it coming a little bit with the whole... China thing because I have a lot to do with China and you know normally we do several air shows each year in China. Um, I, pro- I didn't know it was going to go worldwide like it has. It's probably fairly interesting that it hasn't made its way to Beijing or Shanghai, but it made it made its way around the west rest of the world. But um, it's certainly affected us in a big way. That's for sure. Yeah, I'll ask you a bit more about China later. Uh, let's talk about Aussie air shows now, though. Are you imagining a slow journey back, or do you think that people will be busting their guts to get back to an air show event? Well, I hope they're busting to get back to, to air shows, but I think to make the whole pandemic thing 
you know, be a smooth transition back to normality, I think it's going to have to be a bit of a slow transition because I think if we just get rid of all the restrictions, I can see us having a, a second wave of the pandemic. So hopefully we just get back on track at the right pace and it doesn't ever go backwards. So what air shows are still being planned for this year? Everything's everything's either postponed or cancelled for this year apart from three shows in November. And, uh, I think Warbirds Over Tomorrow at this stage is still on, but what happens there, I'm not sure. But, you know, there's three good shows in, in November, starting with Wings Over Illawarra, which is normally normally this weekend coming, actually. Um, so that's the biggest show in New South Wales. So, so I'm, I'm just hoping that everything's back on track for for that one. Uh, the Cressy Air Show down in uh, the, um, down the southern side of Avalon, and then there's uh, the Serpentine Air Race the weekend after that. And speaking of Avalon, the Avalon Air Show, or as it's more properly known, the Australian International Air Show and Aerospace and Defence Exposition, relies a lot on acts uh, like your own that often come from local regions, interstate or overseas. And not only that, the exhibition contributors and visitors. How do you see it working? Um, I'd like to think that the border restrictions will be lifted by then. You know, I, I, I can... The restrictions are starting to lift now, you know, with more people being able to go and visit friends and so on. You can have two people and a couple of kids. So I'd like to think that in a few months' time the restrictions will be start to get released a little bit and it'll make life a bit easier. But, you know, to be able to hold an, an issue like Avalon that's, that uh, predominantly brings in a lot of business from overseas, obviously that needs to have no restrictions Really, we need to be fully back to normal to make it work because there's a lot of people that come from overseas um, both to see the show and, and exhibitors. So I would think that um, I just hope everything's back to normal by March mm. next year mm. or February next year. I can't imagine the conversations being held at Avalon Air Show head office at the moment. Oh, maybe that's another potential podcast. So uh, the social distancing rules that are going to keep everybody on their toes for quite some time, it's not just the crowds. It's behind the scenes, pilots coming from many different places. How is that going to work? Well, yes, the problem is you, you end up with a situation where there's a lot of people who you don't associate with all the time, so you don't really know where they've come from and, and what their background is. You know, things that you wouldn't normally worry about, but when you're bringing various people from a number of different centres around around the state, I think it does present a bit of a problem. So, you know, at the moment, obviously it's impossible to actually hold anything, you know, apart from basically an online air show. So, I mean, the other thing with it at the moment is if you were going to try and have something, you wouldn't get a cash approval anyway because... I just don't think they'd issue it because of the, the situation. I'm so keen to talk about your online event, and I'll get to that later. How many shows do you normally do a year? Oh, at least 25, plus some overseas stuff. Normally we do five shows in China, and sometimes one or two in South Korea. So we're actually supposed to go to South Korea in, in October, but you know that'll be difficult if, if the borders are still closed. And so how many will you have done this year if you do the ones that you're planning? I've only done one so far, Tire Bear Show, and, you know, that was a great success. It worked out really well, but, you know, if the, hopefully these, these shows in November come to fruition if, if the restrictions are lifted, but, you know, if the restrictions aren't lifted, it probably becomes pointless trying to have them, and obviously the last thing anyone would want to do is be responsible for the, the pandemic 
getting out of control again. So it's got to be looked at in a pretty professional way, I think. Yes, perhaps if we do rush into lifting restrictions, certainly around events, and as a result there's a crowd transmission or a cluster from an air show, then then that not only, other than clearly potential health consequences for Australians, it might also mean legal consequences for organisers and certainly a retightening of restrictions and, and then perhaps the events at the end of the year have no chance of going ahead. Yeah, that's very possible and hopefully that doesn't happen, but... Um... You know, a lot of that is really out of our control and we just got to see what happens, I guess. I just I just hope that we can get back to normality for the whole country as soon as possible, really, because, you know, there's a lot of people hurting a lot lot worse than what we are. So, um, obviously, we're aware of those people. I mean, Airshows are good. It gets to bring the... It's a good family event that, that families can go to and have a lovely day or weekend out. But, um, you know, you don't want to do it at the expense of, of someone catching the filthy virus. Say the rules were relaxed to a point where you could have, say, 500 or even 1,000 people in a certain square meterage of space. Um, I know that in the Hunter Valley you got 7,000 people a day. Could you could you put on a show for 1,000 and still make it work? Uh, I think that's... I think it's possible, but I, I don't think it would be very well received. So I think, I think the only way you could really do that is... You would have to charge them more per person, and maybe what you'd do is have sort of more so, more like um, gold class tickets only sort of thing. Mm. But you'd have to, yeah, you would have to get more sponsorship to cover the difference. I, I just don't think it'd be well received. It'd be it'd be sort of looked on as being, you know, only wealthy people would be able to go. Which, you know, that's the last thing that we want to promote. I want to promote that everyone can go because you know, I wasn't wealthy when I was a kid, and that, and, and I want to. I want kids to be able to look at us and say, well, if he can do it, I can do it. You know, that's that's one of the things you do this for is, is to inspire the next generation. If we make it sort of elitist, I don't think that's probably promoting the right thing. I'd, I'd probably rather wait a little bit longer and, and get it back on track. And Aussie air shows often rely on a band of volunteers from aero clubs. I know from my own experience that they're mainly older volunteers, and I know I'll get hammered for that again. Uh, that help out at these events. They're in that more vulnerable group. Is that going to be a hurdle for air shows moving forward or for you? Yeah, possibly. Look, we've been working closely with them and we and we we spend a fair bit of time trying to get younger people involved in aviation and, and which, which will help the aero clubs have younger people involved that can do some of the work. I'm not sure why it's probably sort of ended up getting that way that the older generation's in or I guess it's you know quite a few retired people end up with a with a few bucks so they end up with an airplane and that's their that's their sort of hobby but mm, and the time yeah and they got more spare time I guess too um and I, I mean I know from when I was younger you know I, I couldn't fly as young as I wanted to because our family didn't have any money so I had to make some bucks before I could just get straight in and do the flying mm. but yeah it is a it is a little bit of an issue but I guess on our side we predominantly do a lot of the work for them. You know, our, our goal has been to, to if, you, if you're relying on the on the group at the at the local aero club to pretty much put on the show, and we just turned up as pilots, there wouldn't be many shows because uh, it's just too much work for them. Mm. It's it's too hard dealing with CASA and it's it's too hard doing all the risk assessment type stuff. Mm. But yeah, your point your point's taken there. It is a bit of an issue, I guess, and mm. certainly with it, if there's any. 
pandemic's still about, well, then that's when it obviously, you know, obviously it affects the, uh, the older people more than the younger people. So it's definitely something to be to consider. Yes, I wonder how clubs will manage that moving forward. Just moving on to the China air show market, you mentioned that before, that, that, that's been good for you. Have they simply postponed their events or are they looking to revive that as soon as they can? Yeah, some of them are postponed because normally we send some aeroplanes over there um, normally around about the second weekend in May. So it's looking like there might be something at the end of the year. They're, they're talking about three or four shows at the end of the year. But... Um, yeah, I'm just not really sure, to be honest. It's There's nothing confirmed at this stage. It's up in the air. The only one that's really confirmed is one in South Korea. What have you observed generally in the industry? How are businesses faring? I mean, you, you must talk to a 1,000 people a day. How are businesses faring in the aviation industry? Is there a sector that you think is sort of hurting more than others? Um, well, I think the, I think the whole... The whole aviation industry is pretty dead at the moment, and even though they say that you can you can continue on doing some training, it's it's pretty damn hard to to observe the four square meter rule and the and the one point five meter rule. So, you know, it's pretty hard to be sitting next to someone in a one five two. Like if you if if they had the virus, you'd catch it, or if you had the virus, you'd pass it on. So, most people are looking at it. It's pretty hard to do training without you know unless it's people that who they they know and know their history pretty closely. So that's all the training schools pretty much put on hold. Then there's um, no adventure flights. So I guess the ones that are probably going okay is sort of the small to medium carriers like the chieftain size or maybe slightly bigger that can that can run some miners around and things like that, which I guess they pretty much still did before anyway, but they, they probably haven't taken quite a hit like some of the rest. You know, while the, while the schools aren't working and the engineers aren't working either. So it's... Uh, I think it's I think it's affected the whole industry. That's for sure. And in in relation to maintenance, I know a few people who have put their aircraft in for annuals or maintenance. But if you run a flight school or a training facility and you have no income from that, then then maybe you can't afford to get the maintenance done right now. And does that open up a Pandora's box down the track? What about the knock on effect of that? Well, it's just an overall disaster, isn't it? The longer it goes on, the worse it's going to get. You know, you still got to pay your insurance. <laughs> the problem is, is with my, especially with warbirds. You know, when you don't use them, it costs more because then they're harder to maintain. You know, you still got to go and get them all out and run the engines and and do what you can. The, the cheapest way to operate warbirds is if you fly them reasonably regularly. Mm. Um, and I'm sh- I'm sure the same thing happens with with chieftains and whatever else, barons and so on. You got to operate them a certain amount so things not to seize up. Moving on to the broader effects on your business and employees, what what about government assistance? Can I ask you about that? Do you get any? Is it helping, hindering, making a difference? Should there be more? I, I guess they, they tend to sort of make it work for the majority. Um, and so I guess it, it would be helping a lot of people, but there's, there's probably, it depends how your company's structured. You know, because I've got a number of different companies, all the employees are paid out of a group. So then, you know, to get the $50,000 bonus, for example, for Paul Bennett Air Shows, the employees aren't, the employees aren't paid out of Paul Bennett Air Shows, so, so then you don't get the grant. So in a lot of ways, no, it's not helping. 
but you know it helps on other ways the, the $1,500 fortnight for the employees that still works through a group so it definitely will help and you know obviously the government's trying to do their best they can to keep the country on the right track which will obviously will pay the price over the next 10 years I guess but I think the best thing for all of us is, is if the fewest people go broke I guess. Hmm. Moving back to Aussie air shows again, when dealing with CASA in that air show space, what could they or other industry associations be doing or, or do better in the future to help organisations and air shows get back? To be honest with you, the last four years have been fantastic. We're working with the sport office. They've got some great people in the sport office. Mm-hmm. But, though all the procedures were, were, were laid down and it was pretty straightforward and everything was going really well. But when, when gas is starting to see that things are going well, we'd better change it. So then they decided that they'd take it back to the regional offices again where they've got no one trained in air display applications and approval process. So then then they don't know what they're doing. Then it's all too hard and the rules all start to change and then people start inventing their own rules. And then it just becomes a disaster. So, yeah, I don't know how we fix it, to be honest. You know, just dealing with CASA in general is a disaster. I mean, we... We just did that the Thai Bear Show. It was the worst the worst thing worst dealings I've ever had with CASA. You know, it was just it was incredibly unprofessional. We didn't get the approval until I was still getting emails on Saturday morning for a Sunday show, you know, it was just ridiculous. We didn't get the approval until Friday. We had all the back and forwards and it's it, they were just impossible to deal with. Mm. Um it's just really disappointing, you know, they if if only they could adopt the attitude that how can we make this work? You know, but they don't. They adopt the attitude, how can we How can we make this not work? How can we make this difficult? It's just so frustrating. Perhaps there needs to be a review of, and you mentioned timing there, you know, not knowing something until the Friday before. I can't imagine how much stress is involved in that. Do you think there needs to be a review of those processes so that CASA does have better timings? Well, it definitely needs to be a review of it, for sure. Mm. It, it needs to go up through the ladder. I mean, I, I don't know what the what the director's being told, but I've got no doubt he's been told everything's rolling along smoothly, but it's far from smooth, and I know a lot of other people are having the same issues, but, I mean, you know, I guess the issues are, are predominantly for me because we're the ones that deal with CASA more than anyone else on an air display side, mm. and we do well, far more air displays than anyone else. Like, there's no reason why you can't predominantly have the air display approval a week, a week prior, and any last-minute changes would only be you know, pilot or airplane dropouts or, or um, additions, which realistically, if they let us do the do it the way we want to do it by putting in heaps of spare airplanes and heaps of spare pilots, there'd be no problem. <laughs> and meanwhile, our aero clubs that are always awash with millions of dollars, of course, it's the Friday afternoon before their planned air show. They've spent tens of thousands of dollars and months organising it, and, and even they don't know that they've got an air show. No, well, I've, I've just got to say to them, look, trust me, you'll get it. But more often than not, they've spent in the hundreds of thousands to make mm. it work. To, to not have an approval until Friday afternoon is pretty unfair, I think. And moving on to opportunities, can you see any opportunities generally for the industry? I guess there's a few opportunities now, running smaller machines around the mines and, and running mine cargo and things like that because I know they've, they've struggled with freight because there's no passenger services running like you know, Jetstar or Qantas or Virgin at the moment, That's those those flights would have been filled up with a lot of cargo. And so while those flights, flights aren't running, I know mines in, in the west and, and around Brisbane are having trouble getting parts quick enough. So they're sort of prepared to pay the money to get things flown from here to there. 
Um, so there's probably an opening there. But yeah, look, it's pretty hard when you. It, it, it's hard to go into state, and it's it's um, while everything's pretty much grounded, it, it's pretty hard for the industry to move forward, isn't it? The moment I've been waiting for. They say necessity is the mother of invention. You're presenting your first live streaming event, a crowdless air show. Do you think this type of event will be a stopgap measure or do you think it will, um, pardon the pun, really take off or too early to tell? Well, as far as I'm aware, that we're the only ones in the world doing it this way. There's been a few other... Some Americans have done some, some online air shows by a number of performers sending in some footage of their displays and it's all been sort of compiled over a couple of hour period and they've they've had some presenters, you know, um, doing some commentary and so on in the middle of it. But what we're trying to do is a full-on air show as normal. So we've cameras everywhere. We take all the aeroplanes to a private field, which is which I'm a shareholder in, and I've got a permanent approval there. So the gates are locked, so there's no public. We just fly an air show like a practice day, really, like, fly all the aeroplanes, do the do the displays. We'll practice the day before. We'll do the do the show on the Saturday. But we'll have cameras everywhere, so you're going to get a lot of sort of in-cockpit descriptions from the pilots and so on, like sitting in the aeroplanes talking about how to start them and why you do things in certain ways, what the tricks are with various aeroplanes. I mean, I think people, I think people like to see a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff and hear some of the conversations and hear the planning, you know, some of the walk-through stuff for the formation and things like that it's not just it's not just made up as you go it's um when you look at it as a as a spectator i guess sometimes you don't see how much work's gone into a particular flight so i'm trying to bring things that you don't normally see at an air show so you know normally at an air show you get to see an airplane start you see the pilot walk past you see him taxi past he gives you a wave you watch the display but you don't really get to see inside the cockpit and all the intricacies of the aircraft so that's the, that's the type of things that I'm trying to bring uh, to the public. It's things that they don't normally get to see as an extra, which I'm hoping, you know, will be attractive and, and will take off. And obviously we can do it cheaper than a normal air show because we don't have the same overheads. We've just got, you know, the aircraft overheads really. We don't have all the, you know, the fencing and the catering and all that, all the other stuff. So I'm hoping that it really, really takes off. We've got some really good, camera angles at this particular field where we're going to fly at we can be pretty close you know because of the because there aren't any crowds so the 200 meters is from like flying within 200 meters of the crowd is less restrictive i'm thinking it's going to be really good i think we'll we'll take some aspects out of it for future air shows once we do get back online i want to make it bigger and better i've sort of i've had a goal for a long time that i, I really wanted to make air shows be you know, more sort of like the VH, you know, but um, bit by bit we're getting there. This pandemic certainly has slowed our progress a little bit, but we're trying to think outside the square by doing this live stream mm. and um, and hopefully it works and hopefully it gives people some entertainment for, for a day. And the ticket sales have gone really well. So what, what fun extras will you have? Are some of your model aircraft going to be in the display? Yeah, we are. Yeah, I've got... Quite a number of model aircraft, and um, I've got my own, obviously, but we'll probably have some other guys doing some model flying as well. So we've got some very nice models, like the top-of-the-line jets. And before we wrap it up, Paul, do you have any questions for the industry? Do you have any questions for CASA? (laughs) 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 Uh, I think I've given enough, haven't I? 
<laughs> All right then, thanks, Paul. Thank you no so worries. much, Paul, for your time today. No worries, thanks for having me. And that was Paul Bennett of Paul Bennett Air Shows and the thousand other businesses that he runs. Do you have any questions? I'm still hopeful that my interview with CASA will take place. It's in the pipeline, that's all I can say. I've had a basically yes, we might be interested response. So let's see if I can make that happen. If you, the industry, give me lots of questions, maybe they'll just have to say yes. Leaving your questions is easy. Go to www.rightspeakfly.com forward slash grounded and find the comments section. As I mentioned at the beginning, don't miss next week's episode with Adrienne Fleming of TriStar Aviation. She brings such positivity to the conversation. And there will be another special edition, this time with Ben Morgan, CEO of AOPA, Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association Australia, coming soon to a set of earbuds near you. In the meantime, don't be as bored. Why not spend some time brushing up on your navigation prep skills? Where have you always wanted to go? On my list is the curiously named Frog's Hollow in New South Wales. Apparently there's an air cruiser there. I can plan just about everything except the weather. Their website, frogshollowflyers.com.au, says prior permission required, but I'm wondering whether they really need six months' notice. I'm Angela Stevenson. Thanks for listening again. Never forget how lucky we are to be in this industry. Spread your wings, spread the love of aviation, and remember, you can always go round. <laughs>